Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for Data Mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released during that week. It's designed to help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time to listen to, as interview episodes and panels are typically more than one hour long. In general, if you were running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, Data Mesh Understanding. So get in touch if I can be of help. Check out our free community programs and things like that as well. Weekly episode summaries and programming notes for the week of November 26, 2023. So my call to action this week is think about one article you want to collaborate on. You don't have to write it all yourself, but one article related to data mesh that you want to collaborate on in 2024, and then reach out to Melissa Logan of Data Mesh Learning and get the ball rolling. They have lots of capacity to help with articles. Get your name out there. Get some content that you think needs to be written out there. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 272, Understanding and Valuing Your Organization's Data, an interview with Lauren Cassio and Chris Enzi at Gulp Data. This is a really interesting one, all about how to think about valuing your data estate. So Gulp, as a company, mostly collaborates with companies to value how much somebody's data is worth when they sell it to external parties. But you can use the same things and you can also use the same concepts to get the the ball rolling on internal use cases as to how much value there is within the organization. And there's just a lot about getting these conversations started if you're not already in kind of the data meshy type mode of having a lot of conversation around things. There's lots of interesting perspective to consider about how you'd want to go about doing this, about valuing and, and having the conversation and how to safely sell your data should you want to go down that route. On Friday, we have episode 273, an API first world in data integration, an actual modern data stack, Jamax corner number 31. So some key points that I took away from this one, the the rush to categorize, categorize all of our tooling and data has caused many issues. You know, oh, this one tool must be in the data catalog space because it has data catalog capabilities or this must be in the ETL or the reverse ETL or the ELT or the blah, 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 right? Jamak is saying that we we will see a big shakeup coming in the future, much like happened in application development tooling when it was about like delivering value instead of about putting something into a little box so we can understand exactly what it does. Second point, so much of data people's time is spent on things that don't add value in and of themselves. It's work that should be automated. We need to fix that so the data work is about delivering value and focusing on delivering value. We can learn a lot from virtualization, 
But data virtualization is not where things should go in general, in in Jamak's view, and I totally agree. Containerization is merely an implementation detail, much like software developers don't really care about the process, about process containers, about you putting these things into containers. Once that was available to them, they don't really care about exactly how the containers work. They care about doing their work and sticking them in a container to manage the dependencies. The same will happen in data product containers. It's about the experience and containers significantly improve the experience, but it's not at all about that the containers are the things that matter. So, you know, some people out there marketing around data product containers is, is, Jamak sees that as silly, even though that's her wording of (laughs) what they're doing at Next Data. And then finally, her last point was the pendulum swung towards decoupled data stack instead of monolithic offerings with kind of quote-unquote the modern data stack. But most of the technologies were not that easy to stitch together, right? It was pretty hard to keep that maintained. Going forward, we want to keep that decoupled strategy, but we need a better way to integrate. APIs is how it worked in software, how we integrated the different toolings and technologies. Why can't we go there in data? Why is this so difficult? So with that, we'll go on to the extended summary for Lauren and Chris's episode. Extended summary for episode 272, Understanding and Valuing Your Organization's Data, an interview with Lauren Cassio and Chris Enzi. In this episode, I interviewed Lauren, who's the Chief Fish Wrangler, and Chris, who's the CTO, both at Gulp Data. If you can't tell from a title like Chief Fish Wrangler, this one is a little bit more relaxed than even um, many of our episodes, which are typically quite relaxed. So from here forward, in this summary, I will mostly refer to what was said by Lauren and Chris combined into one viewpoint, rather than trying to specifically call out who said which part. So Lauren and Chris started with discussing how many organizations view their internal data landscape or estate, and how it's not really a complete picture. There tends to be a perspective that an organization's data is only useful for their internal use cases, and often that each set of data is only useful for one type or one specific use case. And Chris and Lauren just haven't seen that be true when they're going in and helping organizations understand their data. Internally, most orgs have data that could be useful to existing use cases or for creating new use cases. How that typically manifests is data silos where data that should be shared isn't because people aren't aware it exists. You know, does this sound pretty common or pretty familiar with what Data Mesh is trying to do? Or the other side of that is that data producers have no real idea how their data is being used downstream by other parts of the company and how it could be used. And then when you think about externally, most companies' data is often very useful to other organizations in entirely different sectors. Again, this is what they're they're seeing specifically. When asked about why lines of business have such a hard time understanding what data other lines of businesses have, Lauren and Chris talked a bit about the technical challenges of, you know, sharing data between these lines of businesses. And then, so if there's these technical challenges, why even talk to each other about it? 
But much more of this is is the organizational. In many, maybe most organizations, lines of business have treated their internal data as overly precious, making sure it was structured specifically so they could use it. You know, this is when people bring up data marts. Data marts were internal focus towards the line of business, trying to get them to structure it so others can use their data is often an emotional hurdle because it can feel like giving up that control. They're precious about it. They they want to control and make sure that they can still use it for their own purposes. Thus, it's been hard for other lines of business to even know about the data across the organization, let alone use it. People aren't talking about it, and they don't know that they should go even try and get access. Add to that the challenge of businesses treating the data team and especially their infrastructure around data as a cost center And that further impedes their data journeys. When it's hard to make a tangible business case for updating your data infrastructure, it's easy to fall further and further behind as your platform kind of ages and, and, you know, the technical debt starts to mount up. If much of this sounds familiar, it's, again, it's frequent hurdles towards implementing data mesh. Chris and Lauren talked about how typical it is where organizations understand they want to visualize their data without a specific goal in mind. Just visualing visualizing without an expectation of what it will be used for is not that product thinking. What information do you need to make your existing, your external facing products better? What will cause you to act? Instead, it's about what does the data tell us, which is often not aligned with taking actual action, right? What, what do you know? What do you know? Uh, okay, you have to ask me a specific question. That leads to wasted cycles and money. It also often leads to wasted buy-in from upper management. They really only have limited patience. And so if you're just trying to put information in front of them, and if you're not uh, actually executing on you know, generating significant returns from your data work, again, eh, why, why should they be spending this, their time and their effort on that. Be, and kind of circling back to that, be crisp on what goals you are going after, then develop the data and analysis to help you actually go after those goals. It's far easier to get exact buy-in on selling your data externally than investing further for internal use in Lauren and Chris's experience. That's because there's a tangible outcome at the end of the road. Look to try and shape your asks for additional funding around data work based on that principle tangible return on investment makes decisioning easier. Think about how you can frame that return on investment. For Chris and Lauren, there are many use cases that could be unlocked in most organizations if only people knew what data was available. Finding ways to discover and share more about what data you have internally is very helpful. Yes, a data catalog is great, but finding better ways to make people aware of the available data will unlock new valuable use cases. An audit for what data to sell externally is one way to spark these conversations, but there are many others. Lauren and Chris pointed to two differing types of companies regarding selling their data. First is kind of a low margin business. Because they are so reliant on volume, they typically end up with a considerable amount of data that could potentially be pretty useful for others that they could potentially monetize. And, you know, when you've got a low margin business, selling data is a pretty high margin perspective. So all of a sudden, you know, things are looking much better for your company. The other type of company is these early stage companies that have yet to really reach 
product market fit, especially in the B2B space. They often think their data will be very valuable. So they're like, hey, we should set up all these things to collect all this data to sell externally. But selling data becomes a distraction for those companies far too easily. They need to focus on on their core business, not small external monetization streams when they're at that stage. So there's ones where this is really good for, for selling data externally, and there's ones where it's really not, right? It can be a big, big distraction. On the somewhat controversial topic of data monetization, how people's information is protected versus kind of leveraged, Chris and Lauren believe there is a greater good in general to your information being shared, to more of your information being out there. You know, they kind of talked about, while something like GDPR gives you the perception of your data being protected, it's really not all that true. It's not all that protected. Everyone's data pretty much is out there already. Meanwhile, there is a lot of potential good that can come out of more comprehensive data sharing, such as better information to fight diseases for, you know, from having more patient information or lower cost of items in retail stores from data generated in loyalty programs. They kind of talked about if there's more financial information out there that's more granular and detailed, people that are kind of unbanked or underbanked might be able to get access to getting a loan to buy a home where traditional credit scoring wouldn't have have said these people are credit worthy enough. I think there's some interesting perspective there, but I still think, you know, too many companies are collecting way too much of our data and just selling it off and giving it off to other folks. So it's all a balance, but I think it's an interesting perspective to kind of consider and think about. Hopefully it sounds like some awesome episodes for you coming up this week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey, helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music. 